We'll now have our final message today as well as special music by Mr. Barnabas Grayson. His title of his message is Passover to Pentecost. Good afternoon, everyone. I thought I would uh, wait until the end of the sermon to do the special music. And I'll introduce that at the end. The title of the sermon this afternoon is Passover to Pentecost. And what we're going to look at today is, um, if, when you have your hand out there, let me see if I can find mine, make sure I follow along. I probably didn't bring it up, but yeah, here it is. Passover to Pentecost. At the time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we find a connection that looks ahead to the Feast of Weeks or the uh, Feast of Pentecost. And from the days of Unleavened Bread, uh, we take with us some lessons that teach us to examine ourselves, to look at ourselves, to sort of uh, take out the magnifying glass and the power is in our hand to do, to do just that. And then to cast out leaven. You know, leaven was, is symbolic of sin and it symbolizes repentance leading to the gift of the Holy Spirit that the day of Pentecost promised the disciples. And as in the introduction there at the top of your handout, uh, it leads to the gift of the Holy Spirit by partaking of the live forever bread. Some of you may have heard that expression. It was, I believe, about three uh, feasts, Feast of Tabernacles ago there in Branson uh, when uh, Ian Houghton had a booklet. And in that booklet, I saw those words by uh, partaking of the live forever bread. That's what we've been take, we, that's what we partake of the live forever bread. Now we know that from Passover to, harv uh, to Pentecost that the barley harvest is linked to the feast of unleavened bread. In Leviticus 23 verses 18, 8 through 16, when you come into the land in the seventh day is a holy convocation and you shall do no servile work therein. And so the Lord spoke unto Moses in verse 9, said, speak unto the children of Israel, the children of God. We're the children of God. So this message carries on uh, to our day even. And it said, it said unto them at that time, in introducing the, the Feast of Unleavened uh, Bread, when you be come into the land which I give you and shall reap the harvest thereof, then you shall bring a sheaf, uh, which is an omer of two quarts, of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And he, the priest, shall wave the sheaf, that, you know, it's a bundle of barley, before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So barley, we know, was, is, was harvested from uh, in March to April. So the sheaf that was to be waved is of barley. And wheat was not ready until uh, June or July. So the sheaf was to be waved on a specific day, and the day after the Sabbath, during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So this ceremony was regarded as a part, 
a special part of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Verse 12, And ye shall offer that day when ye wave the sheaf a he lamb without blemish of the first year that is a yearling for a burnt offering unto the Lord. And we, uh, we didn't have uh, any uh, firstling to offer the other day, but you know, it's the spirit of the thing that we offer ourselves. And he, and he shall, and, excuse me, and there was a, to be a meal or a meat offering and a drink offering. And in verse 14, he says, You shall eat neither bread nor, nor parched corn nor green ears until the self same day that you have brought an offering unto your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generation in all your dwellings. So the Israelites could not partake of, of the barley. Or God had to be first. Verse 15, and you shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offerings, seven Sabbaths shall be complete, even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath, a little tongue twister here, shall you number 50 days, and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. So you have the 49 Sabbaths plus one day, and at the end of the, the early summer, is the wheat harvest, which is called also the Feast of Weeks. In the New Testament, it's called the, the Day of Pentecost or the Feast of Harvest, the Day of First Fruits. So, from Passover to Pentecost, in Luke 24, verse 28, Jesus said this. He said, Behold, you know, that's, listen carefully. I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye. The, the uh, Greek is katizo. That is, remain, continue, sit down in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So we are now on the count to Pentecost. And as we like to say, time flies. And from, you know, the, the feast of the tabernacles to this time, it's just like it's somewhere in between. We just uh, flew through. So now we look forward to the day of Pentecost. And as we know, the date of June 5th is circled on our calendar, so we can't miss it even if we forget to count and know what day it is. Still the Passover and the days of unleavened bread and what it has meant for our spiritual growth and our understanding may still be on our minds. As we know, the annual feast days they serve as reminders of, of God's plan of salvation, as does the weekly Sabbath, like, like today. So in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you know, we looked upon leavened bread as symbolic of sin. And according to the Bible instructions, we kept the feast by not eat, eating leavened bread for seven days. Because leavening is, is an agent that puffs up, and, and that's what softens the bread. And, as, and we know that it grows and that it spreads and, and leavens the whole lump. The Apostle Paul said in the scripture in the New Testament, he says, Don't you know, know ye not, that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is a sacrifice for us. 
So it was at the Last Supper with his disciples that Jesus gave them a memorial to keep in remembrance of him. And he said to them, this do in remembrance of me. So in that Last Supper, the symbols of the bread and the wine became physical reminders of the sacrifice of Jesus when he laid down his life and he died in our place for our transgressions. In John chapter 6, verse 51, Jesus said, he says this to us, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, and I will give for the life of the world, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, well, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And so Jesus said to them, truly I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. We don't do that literally, of course. So that was a hard saying, uh, said his disciples. And many were offended, and some, and some walked away because they didn't understand. So in order for sins to be forgiven, they would have to believe in Jesus, the only name under heaven by which man may be saved. So they would need to confess and they would need to repent of their sins. They would need to abide in his word, feed upon it, and in that way uh, in order to inherit everlasting life. So Jesus said, it is the spirit that quickens. It's, it's what gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So year to year, we are solemnly reminded of what Jesus did during his passion, the things that he suffered, the stripes that he bore, and all of those things with us in mind. So we're to renew at that time our commitment to Christ and to his righteousness and know that we still must purge out sins and, and bad habits and wrong things in our life, not just for those seven days, but we concentrate on those things, knowing that we are weak, that there are sins in our life that we see and sins that we don't see. So it's a, it's a, it's a lifelong process. We see in the seven days, you know, the seven is the number of completion, and it pictures in the celebration of uh, the days of unleavened bread, it's, it's a lifetime of avoiding sin, staying in, in the teachings of Christ, reminding ourselves day to day of the right way and avoiding the wrong way. So before the Passover and the days of unleavened bread began, the Apostle Paul had, he challenged the Corinthian saints. You know, the Corinthians were having a lot of problems in their church with immorality, carnality, division, schisms things that were dividing. And he said to them in the second Corinthians 13, five to examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. That is, you know, consider your own conduct. Were they being Christians or not? 
Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. To examine means, you know, to probe, means to study, means to investigate, to look into, and he put it into their hands to judge themselves. As I mentioned early, earlier, leavened bread, you know, represented sin. And the act of searching and getting rid of leaven, it's a symbol of confession and repentance from sin. You know, yesterday we, we talked about uh, uh, how sin is prevalent in our, in our society. Some of, you know, you, like uh, my wife mentioned that we had some french fries that was coated in, uh, you know, bread to make it more tasty. And sometimes you don't know. Where, where sin is going to uh, pop up. But, but it's a reminder. That in order to overcome sin. One must partake of the unleavened bread of God, uh, of God. That is his word. And live by his word. And live in his words. So the finding of leaven tells us that. Of the prevalence of sin in the world. It's a physical thing leaven is. But it teaches us a lesson, and it's the spiritual meaning that is important in, in these instructions. And Paul said, said to keep the feast, not with the old leaven of malice, things, you know, things of that, uh, of that uh, stuff that makes for sin, but we're to keep the feast, the spirit of the feast, even after we leave the feast of unleavened bread. So we know that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We do sin or see sin in our life. You know, that's the time that we need to change. Remember on the day of Pentecost, the disciples uh, were speaking there, giving those around them a message of repentance. And after uh, hearing everything that was said, they, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? And the answer was to repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a gift. And it's a power. And to not examine oneself and make self-correction is to fall into sin and bring judgment from God. Scripture warns us, it says to take heed lest you fall. And sometimes we make the mistake that if we continue sinning, you know, grace is going to abound. And Paul said, purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrifice for us. We are unleavened by the sacrifice of Jesus. But we can't return to the old ways, thinking, you know, that uh, grace will abound. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So we all see our imperfections, don't we? We see our weaknesses, our carnality. The sermon yesterday, we, you know, uh, mention was made of, 
you know, changes that were needed in, in, in life. You recognize them and you begin to change. So we all have imperfections. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that there is none righteous. No matter how righteous we may think we are. There are things in life that we just can't match the glory of God. So we all are in need of forgiveness and redemption. And like one of the songs says that we all stand in need of prayer. So the answer to this is to purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. And that's the, that's the lifelong process that we, that we look at. And we also look to Christ, our Passover. He is our sacrifice, and we keep walking in his righteousness. Deleavening our lives is a lifelong process. It takes longer than the seven days that are mentioned in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Therefore, let us keep the feast. So we remember each year we do show the Lord's death till he come. And we have to make changes for the good. And whatever we have that is lacking, whatever sin that we have, we know that the sacrifice of Christ, he is our righteousness. There are things, examples, like in 1 Thessalonians 1.9, where it says to turn from idols and serve the living God. And we think about it, well, what is our idol in life? What do we look up to most that takes away from our service in the way God would want us to serve? What is our idol? Some people look at, uh, more and more I, I think about it, some people look at the, uh, the, the, the professional sports. People idolize that. They can't wait to get their tickets and, and on some Sunday or even some Saturday on the Sabbath. They have idol worship. The land is full of idolatry. But we're to turn from idols to serve the living God. And that we are to walk in Christ. Colossians 2, verses 6, 7, tells us to walk in Christ and to also walk in the Spirit that uh, is mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. In other words, we are to become a new creature in Christ. But sometimes we fall. Sometimes we fall a long way. But like a loving father who tells his children, he pities his children to, to get up and we will be forgiven. So we become a new creature in Christ. But if we indulge in the leaven of the world, we can be fooled into going against the will of God and commit sin. Everybody's doing it, so we know why not. Does it seem to hurt? But we know from Romans 6.23 that sin is the transgression of the law and that the wages of, of sin is death. But we must not sin willfully after we come to an understanding of the truth. But what law is it a sin to break? It's the Ten Commandments. The unleavened bread of life 
the live forever bread that's in, in the law. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Romans 7, 7. God forbid. So he's talking about the law as the Ten Commandments. I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law has said, you shall not covet. So we know that is one of the commandments of the ten. John, 1 John 5, 17 tells us that all unrighteousness is sin. And Psalm 119, 172 tells us that all the commandments are righteousness. And whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. Now, from reading scripture this past week, the disciples saw the crucifixion and death of the Savior. Even his mother also watched her son and die on the upright pale that he was nailed to. And after three days, he was resurrected to life, even as Jonah was in the, uh, the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights. So Jesus was seen 40 days after, afterwards, and he appeared unto his disciples. And when they saw Jesus alive again, their faith was strengthened. And when they were gathered uh, with Jesus, where they were, they, they met all together, and Jesus appeared among them. And he told them, he said, you have seen these prophecies come true. Prophecies that were in the scriptures about the Lamb of God, his sacrifice, his death, and his resurrection. They also saw these things come to pass. And then Jesus said to them, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But wait you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Sometimes we shortchange this power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we have doubt and sometimes we have fears because we forget to realize the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, the power from on high. And we know that that promise, that it was the gift of God's Holy Spirit as the power from on high. In Acts 1, verse 2, beginning verse 2, he had told them to wait in the city of Jerusalem until the day in which he was taken up, that he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And you know, we long for the kingdom of God to be established here on the earth. You just look around the world today, and this is where the problems are. It's on earth. It's not up in heaven. But Christ will come, bringing the kingdom of God to uh, make those changes and make restoration. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which says he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? 
And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come unto you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. So we know that the gospel message, the gospel of Jesus Christ is spread in many ways, not just from this church, but from uh, others and from, from other uh, organizations and ministers. The word of God is converting for those who take uh, belief and heart in it. And when he had spoken these things, verse 9, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. So the disciples had watched Jesus, saw him rise from the earth and disappear into a cloud. And they kept looking up, searching the sky and straining their eyes, as the scripture implies, perhaps thinking he'll be right back, right back down any moment. So they waited and they stared intently toward the cloud, toward the sky where Jesus had uh, disappeared. And so these two men standing by said, you men of Galilee, why stand you staring or gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So we know this means that this is coming at the end of the age, at the resurrection, at the last trump, and the, the sound of the trumpet and, and the voice of the archangel. And those of us who do, do not see all that transpires in the next few years or the next decade or ever how much time it is, are going to awake and see and remember what he told the disciples, that we shall see him as, uh, descending from heaven. And so these same disciples, they will open their eyes and they will see Christ descend back to the earth. For the, in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, verse 16, it says, the, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So those who have the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God, have that bread, the live forever bread. So they returned to Jerusalem, which was a Sabbath day's journey, verse 13, and they went into an upper room where abode the disciples. And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And they were all remembering, you know, that Jesus had, had Jesus for them, said to them to wait in Jerusalem till they received power from on high. In Luke chapter 24, and behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but wait you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So we have these words 
from the Bible to read that gives us the same hope and the same expectancy and the same looking forward to that time that is coming. And so they were continually in the temple praising and blessing uh, God. So be it. In Acts 22 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all of one accord. So the time had come to receive that spirit from on high on that day of Pentecost. In John 14, I have listed on your handout, John 13, verses 33 to 38. You can read that on your own. In John, but John 14, it says in verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may or it, that it may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees it not or him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for it dwells with you and shall be in you. So that spirit is in you. It dwells in you. We got to keep, you know, stirring up the spirit. We can't quench the spirit. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, he said, yet a little while, and the world sees me no more, but you see me because I live, you shall live also. Powerful words those are. Because I live, you shall live also. So Jesus lives to this day to hear our prayers, to see what trials and problems we were having, and uh, to turn to him and be that new creature, that new lump in Jesus Christ. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He that has commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. You know, Jesus said at one time in Scripture, if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, we're not perfect in keeping the commandments. But Jesus is our Savior. He is our righteousness. He is the forgiveness of our sins and our shortcomings. Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not unto the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loves me, not keeps not my sayings. And the world and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So Jesus, the Son of God, the eternal God himself, was, was just as the Father was. They were together. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have told you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives I unto you. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So with this power that is from on high, don't let your hearts, your minds, your souls, your beings become troubled and to uh, 
Not be afraid. Have fear. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of the world comes and has nothing on me. You know, we read these scriptures during the Last Supper by various ones here. In the Living Bible, verse 30, it reads, I don't have much, this is what Jesus said, I don't have much more time to talk to you, for the evil prince of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will freely do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. And he said, come, let's be going. In John 16, verse 12, Jesus said, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you can't bear them now. Howbeit when he or it, the Spirit of God has come, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of itself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall it speak, and it will show you things to come, and it shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. The Spirit is what we have in us, the Spirit of the eternal God, his character, his personality, his love for truth, his love for uh, the law. But he, again, he says, a little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. And so we read where he says to watch and pray. You know, sometimes we struggle in our prayers with words. We don't know how long to make our prayers. We don't know what to say. But remember the power of the Spirit from on high. It makes intercession for us without us even saying a word. And so we put our trust in, in prayer and in watching. Uh, you remember Matthew 26, Peter had said to Jesus, though all men shall be offended because of you, yet will I never be offended. So Jesus replied to him, truly I say unto you, Peter, that this night before the cock crow, ye shall deny me three times. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with you, yet will I not deny you. And likewise, also said the disciples. Then came Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray yonder. Wait here and tarry. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful, very heavy. So we know that Jesus was tempted and all ways that even as we are that he experienced the emotions that we as human beings suffer from time to time that we have sorrow things that are heavy on our minds and then he said unto them my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death tarry you here and watch with me and he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying oh my father if it be possible let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as, not as I will, but as you will. I have many times 
fallen on my face in prayer. I've gone to the hillside around our country, the country I lived in, uh, not another nation, but I, I was a, a country boy. And so I went to these familiar pl uh, woods where I used to roam as a little kid. But I had things on my mind. I had trials and troubles on my mind. And, you know, went to my knees and then finally to my face and prayed earnestly. And, it, and this was over uh, an incident a long time ago. And, and as I was praying, I heard this little tinkling coming uh, down this hidden, hidden uh, uh, drive. And it was a dog. And it was a little, uh, I guess, a, maybe a little terrier, but it had a collar around its neck and a bell to it. And I thought about that, and what, does that, what did that mean? And to me, it meant loyalty. It meant also that uh, God heard my prayer, that it was a matter of just being loyal. Because in art, the, the dog, whenever it's pictured, it is uh, pictured as a symbol of loyalty. So, but in looking back, on the days of unleavened bread and upon various prayers that uh, we've all made in like manner, we know that it says to watch and pray that we enter not into temptation because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again a second time and prayed saying, Oh my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it your will be done and he came and found him asleep again for their eyes were heavy and he left them and went away again and prayed for the third time saying the same words then came he to his disciples and he said unto them sleep on now and take your rest behold the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of of sinners rise let us be going behold he is at hand that does betray me so in looking back <clears throat> again to the days of unleavened bread and looking forward to the feast of uh, Pentecost and to the promise that we we are already unleavened that we already have the Holy Spirit but at that time they were counting the days to the feast uh, of unleavened bread when they would be imbued with power from on high so we also note that eating unleavened bread was to remind us that we need to partake of Christ through his word because they lead to everlasting life. And the bread and wine, they were a symbol of that commitment and serving one another just means having a, a part of Jesus Christ as in the foot washing. So leavened bread was a symbol of sin and something to be denied at that time because that even a little bit can overwhelm the soul and the heart and the mind. Even a little bit, one little sin can grow. We're told to quench not the spirit but to stir it up. If it, you know, you uh, feel like the flames of the spirit are 
because of maybe your prayer life is, is faltering a little? Stir up the spirit. If not, God could stir it up. Maybe with things that we don't want to uh, come face to face with. Romans 6, 4, it says that we are buried with him by baptism in, into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Walk in newness of life. Romans 6, 4 says, or Romans 8, that is, verse 10, 11. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So we have the spirit of God in us. And the body is dead. There's uh, recognizes uh, no sin. We're forgiven. We stand in righteousness because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So in conclusion, a couple of scriptures. I'll just refer to them. John, and these aren't on your handout. You can write them in if you want to. John 15, verses 12 through 14, read those. Tells us to love one another as I have loved you. And he said, you are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command. So elsewhere, we, in the same chapter there, we read that Jesus is the true vine. That we are the branches. And that we are to buy, abide in him. And that we ought to lay down our life for the brethren. And then there is John, 1 John 3, verse 16. That we keep. I think I'll turn to that prefer to read this here. 1 John 3.16. It says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Think about that. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And down in verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. Need something in your life? Ask him. And he will answer because we are his children. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Therefore. As Paul said. Let us keep the feast. Always partaking of. That live forever bread. That is Jesus Christ. And his word. Well, the guitar, I think, is in tune, but I may not be.
for talking so long. This is a song that I wrote uh, maybe 20, 22 years ago. And uh, sang it once at the Fellowship Church of God and one time here. Things are slipping down here. Once upon the evening time, Jesus sat down to eat, and there with his faithful friends, they in an upper room did meet. And when the hour had come, Jesus said to his few, with desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you. Then break ye the unleavened bread, prayed a blessing on it. This is my body broken for you. Take this bread and eat ye of it. And he said this do in remembrance of me, this do in remembrance of me. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Then poured he the fruit of the vine and prayed a blessing on it. This is my blood which is shed for you. Take this cup and drink ye of it. Then Christ went out to pray that night. Sweat like drops of blood did run. But on his knees to the Father said, Not mine, but thy will be done. Amazing, nice shiny back here. It just makes it more slippery. Okay, where was I? Then Christ bent down to wash their feet. He said, "Know what I've done for you? If I then your Lord and Master serves, then this you should humbly do." And he said, this do in remembrance of me. This do in remembrance of me. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Why 
watch and pray that you enter not into temptation and sin. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. The hour has come and I must keep. Once upon the evening tide, Jesus sat down to eat. And they, <laughs> sorry about that. They, there it is. Yeah. Sorry about that, friends. Once upon the evening tide, Jesus sat down to eat. And there with his faithful friends, they in an upper room shall meet. There we go. I guess that shows a lot of weaknesses that I have. And uh, hopefully you'll remember those, that last line of the song, that they in an upper room shall meet.